Let's open our Bibles to Colossians chapter 1 this morning. Brother Galen was so gracious and 40, above 40. My wife reminded me that I'm almost 60. She was so nice this morning. So I've made a decision. We're going to start counting backwards. If I've lived long enough, I'll see 40 again. It amazes me that when I came here, I was 39. I turned 40 the following year. Larry Rose and Robert Simmons and uh, Brother Ronnie made sure that I had a walking cane with a horn on it. (laughs) Preparation H. Fix a dent. Some other things. I still have the cane in my closet. I might start using it. So we had a lot of fun, or they had a lot of fun. Colossians chapter 1, praying for others is what I've entitled this. Let's begin with verse 9. Paul writing to that church and to us today. Remember, Scripture always is for us today also. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have. You've blessed us with a good Sunday school. You've blessed us with musicians and singing and being able to lift our praises up to you today, to lift our hearts to your very throne room. Now, Father, take our hearts and calm them by the power of your Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit's power, and let the word go forth in truth and in power. You accomplish what you want this morning, Lord. You are our sovereign God. And Father, as we bow, let us focus on what you would have for us today and what you want us to do today. Do not let us escape this place without settling that in our hearts and minds. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. It happens in churches all across the United States. Somebody will approach you in the hall and you'll stop and say hi and you'll ask that question, how are you doing? And they actually tell you. And then before they leave, they say those famous words, remember to pray for me. And our response is usually what? Yes, I will. Let's try that again. What is our response supposed to be when they ask for prayer? Okay. And here's what happens. The next day, being a Monday and going to work and dealing with life's pressures and all the stresses, by the end of the week, if we're not careful, we have forgotten to pray for that person. Or, if we'll be honest, we may pray a little prayer, but we really don't know how to pray for people. And the Apostle Paul, who told us to pray without ceasing... Also prayed specifically for people. 
And there's a reason for that. You see, praying specifically for people unleashes God's power in their lives. I'll say that again. Praying specifically for people unleashes God's power in their lives. And so we come to this section of Scripture that gives us something to pray. And I want you to hear this. For all believers. If you're wondering how to pray or what to pray, this little prayer that we're going to look at briefly today tells us how to pray for every Christian you know. And so let's look at it. First of all, from verse 9, pray for them to be filled with God's will. Did you hear that? Pray for them to be filled with God's will. The Apostle Paul states it this way. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Colossae, the Colossian church. He had never been to Colossae. Epaphras had founded the church there and probably the one in Laodicea also. And Epaphras was probably saved in the Ephesus ministry of about three years when Paul was preaching there. Well, Epaphras makes a dangerous journey all the way to Rome because Paul was in a Roman prison when he writes this. That's why it's called one of the prison epistles. And he went there because there's a heresy that has sprung up in the church. A heresy, very simply, is something that goes against God's word. And this heresy, we're not told exactly what it is. There's some mixture of Christianity and some Eastern mysticism that was practiced in the area. You need to understand, you don't mix Christianity with anything. It stands on its own. And so Paul writes to this church. And the first thing he writes is that they be filled with the knowledge of God's will so they can live correctly. See, filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. There's two or three things I want you to know. Knowledge here doesn't mean that you're guessing at God's will. Knowledge here means the revealed will of God found in Scripture. If you're wondering what God's will is for your life, if you're wondering what God's will is for the direction you should take, go to the Bible. God will tell you. We need to understand that, that the knowledge of God's will isn't just some kind of mystical thing that we hope we get right. If we'll get into God's word, we'll find God's will for our lives. But he says specific things. See, God's will is revealed in God's word, but he says, in all wisdom. Now, wisdom here means that as you study the Bible, you're able to organize it in some kind of form and understand um, the principles of Scripture. So you go through, you understand the principles of salvation, or you understand the principles of spiritual growth. You understand it because the Holy Spirit is working in your heart and you're understanding God's Word. And then he says, not only with all wisdom, but with all understanding. And understanding is one of the words that means this. Not only can I take those principles, but I can apply them to daily living. See, God's Word is always relevant to our lives. If it's not, we're wasting our time. So, understanding means we apply those principles we have learned from Scriptures. The Holy Spirit teaches us God's Word. That's one of the Holy Spirit's jobs. He draws men. After we're saved, He teaches us the Word. 
You should always pray before you start your Bible study. You confess your sins and then you ask the Holy Spirit to guide you into truth and reveal himself to you. And so what is Paul really saying? We know God's will as we study scripture, learn the precepts and apply it to our lives. And so you say, well, how does that affect me today, Brother Gary? Here's the way it is. Today we have too many churches even that are letting God's word, God's authoritative word, be muddied by society. They don't preach wholly out of the Bible. If it's controversial or if it's unpopular in society, they avoid it like the plague. Or they change it and say, that's not really applicable to today. You know, things change, blah, blah, blah. That is ignoring God's word. And I want to tell you something. I talk to too many Christians that either haven't studied God's word or don't believe God's word. Because they believe what society teaches rather than what the plain word of God says. So where is your authority? Is it in, is it in you know, uh, what society thinks is right, what politically correct or how the wind blows this way or that way or your friends or you know you don't want to upset anybody or is it based on God's word I'm not telling you to be pharisaical I'm not telling you to be hateful I'm not telling you to be any of those things but I am telling you to be biblical and the reason these things are happening in our society because society is so confused have you noticed that what used to be right is now wrong what used to be wrong is now called right And basically, we're in the time that the judges described at the end of the book of Judges where it says, every man did what was right in his own eyes. And Paul is saying, look, you'll never know God's will that way. You need wisdom. You need understanding how to take the Bible, understand the Bible, and apply it to your daily living. We're to live like Christ. You see, our enemy, the devil, wants things confused. And boy, are they confused. You know, I'm going to say it, and it's not going to be popular, but I'm going to say it. And I say it in love, and I, I, I blame myself as a pastor and the church as a whole that we don't teach things. Boys want to be girls. Girls want to be boys. You know what I'm talking about. Marriage is no longer between a man and a woman, according to the Supreme Court. That's not what God's Word says. Now... I want you to be very careful here. You do not hate the sinner. You're to treat them with respect and love. They're made in the image of God. But you do not agree with the sin. I could go on. It's the same thing for alcoholics, for drug addicts, for uh, people who tend to indulge too much in what they like. Let's call, call the kettle black, right? But you see, what has happened, we're not filled with the knowledge. Filled is a very important word there. He prays that we be filled with this knowledge and understanding the wisdom of God's will. You see, it's spiritual understanding. Too many Christians say things like this. You ever heard somebody say, man, I'm, I'm running on fumes. I'm empty. See, the pressures of life tend to 
contort us and they, they tend to drain us emotionally and physically and mentally and spiritually and we, we're just exhausted. No amens. Some of y'all are doing better than me. But understand something. That's because we're not filled. God never intends for you or for me to feel like we're gassed. We're empty. He wants us filled with the Holy Spirit, with a knowledge of God's will, with wisdom and understanding. So that we walk properly. See, victory comes when we are filled with his knowledge of his will. Because if you know where you're going... And you know how God's going to get you there. Things are going to be better. It's going to work out. He's not going to leave you alone. And if you feel that he's left you alone, he's not the one that moved. But it comes as you're in God's word. Now I harp on that a lot and tell you you should be having a personal Bible study time where you read the Bible, you ask questions about the Bible, you ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And the reason is, is because God wants you to live victoriously in this painful, hurtful world. And that comes from knowing God's Word because then you get a big picture of His will. So Paul says, I'm praying that. We need to have believers praying for other believers that we will be filled with God's will. And that comes from understanding the Bible. All right. Let's go on. The second thing is in verse 10. We need to pray for people to walk in God's ways. Notice what he says in verse 10. So you're filled with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Notice, in order that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God... In the knowledge of God. So we pray that they'll walk in God's ways. You see, in all of life, I want you to hear this. You're either moving towards God or away from God all the time. In your attitudes, in your actions, in what you do or don't do. And in all those things in life, we're either moving towards God or away from God. And he says, I want you to walk. And, and he tells us how that walk is. You see, we walk worthily. See, our Bible knowledge has to be put into practice. Don't be one of those that can talk about the Bible all the time, but it doesn't show up in your life. I meet people all the time who want to argue the Bible. Well, I'm, I'm good at arguing. Yeah. yeah. I knew that was coming. And I readily admit that, but I want to tell you something. It does me no good to argue what I know about the Bible or know about God through the Bible if I'm not putting that into practice in daily living. I need to walk worthily. You see, what I know shows up in my life. What you know shows up in your life. What you don't know shows up in your life. I'm going to say it, and it's not popular, but let me tell you something. You either reflect Christ or you reflect society. Which is it? It shows up and people see. The second thing, we walk fruitfully. See? He wants us to be fruitful in every good work. Fruitfully? Yeah. 
Spiritual fruit is a result of living for God. It's spiritual righteousness. It's not my righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness. But it shows up in a lot of ways. You see, uh, spiritual fruit, one of the first ways it shows up, we lead others to Christ. In 1 Corinthians 16, 15, Paul talks about a household and says, remember that household, they're the first fruits of a K. In other words, they're the first fruits. There's going to be fruit falling because they're witnessing. Don't tell me you're a mature Christian and you don't know how to share your faith. You're not actively involved in wanting the lost. What did Jesus say? He said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. If we're going to walk fruitfully, we need to be sharing God's word. But, but he also uh, talks about other things. Uh, uh, he talks about praising God in Hebrews 13, 15. I think he says, let the praise of our lips be offered to him a fruit. Okay. A sweet smelling sacrifice. When you hit your thumb to the ha- with the hammer, thank you, God, I can feel pain. Or does something else slip out? The praise of our lips. Because it is good to feel pain. Because when you can't feel pain, bad things happen to you. And yet pain is one of those things that I find really hard to thank God for. Wake up in the morning. Mm, mm, and I have to remember the words of my sainted father-in-law. Don't worry, Brother Gary. If it don't hurt, it don't work. And he's right. But praise God for that. Praise God for another day. Praise God when you wake up. Praise God when you go to bed. Praise God through the day. I mean, have you praised God for who he is and what he's done for you? He has made us partakers of the kingdom of God. Joint heirs with Christ. He has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He has told us that all things work together to good for those who are called. Do you understand that? He's the one working it. If we praise him for it. If you didn't realize it, we're to give. In Romans 15, he tells the Roman church that uh, those other churches gave. And uh, they needed to, too, because they were giving to help support the poor. And one of the things of fruitfulness is giving and then living a godly life and then having holy attitude showing up in the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. I could keep going, but you understand, we're to walk fruitfully. God intends for us to produce fruit. Jesus said he was the vine and we are the branches. If we abide in him and he in us, we will produce much fruit. Let's go on. So we're to walk worthily. We're to walk fruitfully. But we're to walk maturely. It said increasing in the knowledge of God. That represents spiritual growth. And the evidences of it. What are some of the evidences that you're growing spiritually? I'm not going to read all the scriptures here. But Psalm 119, 97 says, Thy law I love. In other words, it's a deeper love for God's word. If you don't love God's word, you don't love reading God's word, you don't love having time to do that, something's drastically wrong with your relationship. Because as we mature, we're supposed to love God's word more and more. What what amazes me is how much I study, there's always more. I'm going to die eventually, unless Jesus comes back. And I'll still be thinking, I still want to know more. There's a love for God's word when we start maturing. 
I found that God's word has never failed me, that God's word always guides me, that God's word gives me wisdom, that the things that I make mistake is when I forsake his word. Don't do that. So we walk maturely. Then it's a more perfect obedience. 1 John 2 verses 3 and 5 says, If we say we love him but we don't obey him, the truth is not in us, we're a liar. Because if we love him, we obey him. There's a deeper conviction as you get older that I need to be worried about obeying God. Not all these other things. And then there's finally a a greater love for others. From that Philippians 1.9 you see. And 1 John says, how can you say you love God whom you have not seen when you don't love your brother whom you have seen? See, it's about walking in God's ways. Let Let me boil it down. Some of you are starting to nod off here. See, the more we know God, the sweeter our walk with Him grows. Those who have been Christians for years and years and are growing will tell you that it just gets sweeter and sweeter. There's a reason for that. When we're younger, we're so busy and we're doing this and that, we can't think about dying and going to heaven and all that. And when we get older, we look forward to it. We do, right, Brother James? No more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering. I finally get to see Jesus and bow at his feet and thank him for saving me. That's right. And see, that that fellowship grows sweeter and you want it more and more. And if there's not that hunger, that excitement for more fellowship with God, then I ask you to ask this question, why? Why am I not excited about God's word and God's ways? Why am I not excited about... And you are because you're here, right? Coming to church and singing his praises and studying in Sunday school and getting together with people and and just rejoicing that we have a Christian family. See, there ought to be some excitement about that. Because that means we're walking in God's ways in fellowship with him. And oh, to know that you're doing what God wants you to do and how he wants you to do it. There's nothing better, folks. Unless it's leading someone else who doesn't know Jesus to Jesus as Savior. I'll put that little plug in there. Let's go to number three. So we've prayed for them to be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all power and understanding, wisdom and understanding. We've prayed for them to walk worthy of God's ways. Okay. And then we pray for them to be strengthened with God's power. Strengthened with God's power. That's what he says right there. Go down to verse 11 and 12. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. Oh, there's that word for all patience and long suffering. With joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light in the kingdom of God in heaven. So, boil it down. What, 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 what's he trying to say? See, we're praying that they're strengthened with all power. Now, if you haven't noticed, I'm going to clue you in. Weakness is a common condition of Christians. Weakness is a common condition of Christians. Think about it. Our schedules are cram-packed. We have financial worries. We have family worries. We, we have work worries. We have uh, all these things combining and pressing in on us. And it wears us out mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. 
But there's good news if you're in that club. And the good news is this. (laughs) What verse 11 says. We are strengthened with all might by his glorious power. In other words, I don't have to worry about living in my power. It's supposed to be in his power. Come on, that ought to make you bounce a little bit. It's not about what I can do. It's about what he wants to do through me. It's about his power being flooded through me to others. As we're praying for other people, and we should be, other Christians, we pray that they're strengthening God's power. And he he lists some different ways this happens. He says, first of all, patience. I hate patience. I want it, and I want it now. The drive-through is number two on my list of things I hate. Traffic is number one. I turn into a monster. Get out of the way. Don't pull out in front of me unless you're going to go on. If you want to go 40 miles an hour, wait till I pass. Some of the ones who really want to go really fast say that I drive like an old person. And I said, I am an old person. You see, patience, he uses two different words for patience. One is patience and one is long-suffering. Patience is the word that means this. We are patient in life's circumstances. We are patient with life's circumstances. Well, Brother Gary, what does that mean? You see, there are things that happen in life that really we cannot control. Do you hear that? They happen to us. It might be somebody else. It might be a sin of somebody else. It might be living in a sinful world. But those things happen, and they hurt. And so life sort of belts us around. And we're to pray for other people in those circumstances that they'll have patience for God to work His will. Patience to work His will. Hmm. So are we praying for the circumstances that are weighing down our brothers and sisters in Christ? Hmm. I'd like people to pray that for me. That's right. And then he says long-suffering. Now, Long-suffering always deals with people in the New Testament. Why you got to be long-suffering with people? Because some people are difficult. No names mentioned. Don't look at anybody. I don't want to see it. And sometimes we have to deal with difficult people. Amen? And we're to pray for Christian brothers and sisters to have strength when dealing with those kind of folks. That they'll be Christian Because you can deal with them, but it might not be Christian. You might give them a piece of your mind, but you better understand you hadn't got much left to give. Some of y'all better recognize that. I better recognize that. But in all those things of patience and long-suffering, he clues us in to something very important. Because he said, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. So we're praying that they'll have patience and long-suffering. We're praying they'll be thankful. See, when these things happen, here's what, what we can do. We can become bitter. Did you hear that? Bitter about life and people. Or we can become better. And the way we handle it is this. We're thankful. Now, let me clue you in how this works. We're in the midst of that circumstances. 
Our thoughts, our attitudes, our energies are turned inside. And God says, get your head up and look at other folks. Minister to them. Pray for them. He didn't want us so engulfed in the circumstances that we become bitter about what God has allowed to happen in our lives. He wants us to look out, get the big picture. He has qualified us to the inheritance of the saints in light in God's kingdom. I don't care what our circumstance is here. Eventually, it's going to be better. Either here or up there. And we need to remember the big picture. God is not just working out all the details in our life, and he does do that. He's working on his kingdom and his glory so other people have a chance to come to know him. They look at us. They see how we handle those things, and they say, Hey, I need what you have. We can share Jesus. Is that easy to do? No. Is it enjoyable? No. Remember, patience and long-suffering. Patience and long-suffering. Patience and suffering. Suffering will be there, and it may be long. And isn't it First Peter that says, uh, though you may suffer for a little while, if it's God's will, remember what's going to happen. Even though you're tested right now, remember what the testing is for. So that your faith may be found genuine. Isn't isn't that what we want? Our faith to be genuine. To know it's well placed in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I know whom I have committed unto that day. And am persuaded that he is able to keep all that I have committed to him. I'm going to ask you a question, church members. What would your life and my life be like... If we knew someone was praying this kind of prayer over us all the time. Maybe every day, maybe once a week. Oh my goodness. I appreciate it when you say, I pray for you every day, Brother Gary. You need to because I'm rather foolish. My Uncle Dick, who's gone on to be with the Lord now, was a faithful servant for years and years. He served faithfully the deacon at every church he was a member of. And the thing he was always for was the pastor. The pastors finally learned that he wasn't going to tell everything that he knew and that he was their prayer partner in every church. He was the first one, when I came home and told mom and dad, uh, my sisters beat me to it, that I'd surrendered to the ministry. My mom was mad because she had plans for me to be a lawyer. My dad said he wasn't having it. I was depressed. And then Uncle Dick heard about it. Evidently, my mom told my Aunt Dot. And Uncle Dick called the house and wanted to talk to me. And he was the first one to encourage me. Gary, this is a good thing. Don't let them do it. You be obedient to God. Until the day he died, every time I talked to him, he said, Remember, Gary, I'm praying for you. If we'd be real honest this morning, take off the mask. We all need people to pray for us. If you don't know how, this prayer is how. We all need to be filled with God's will. We all need to walk in God's ways. And we all need to be strengthened by God's power. So would you bow your eyes and... I bow your eyes. <laughs> yeah. Close your eyes and bow your head. Don't close your heads yet.
Some need to come to this altar and commit to praying for others more often. Some need to come in rededication. You haven't been praying for others at all. Some need to come and accept Christ as their Lord and Savior because you haven't done biblically what's required, which is placing your faith in Christ alone and repenting of your sins. Not mixing it with anything else. Jesus. Not a religion, a relationship. You need to come be saved. Some need to come and join the church. You have visited and visited and God has been talking to you and you're waiting on something and and God says, quit waiting. Come on. We accept members by baptism from other denominations or if you've never been baptized or by a letter from churches of like faith and order and by statement if maybe you don't know where your church membership is but you know you used to be. I'm going to pray. We're going to stand. Brother Ronnie's going to lead to him invitation. And you come as you need to come. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you how it challenges us to pray for our brothers and sisters. And Lord, raise up those prayer warriors to help our children and our youth. Our membership that's under attack. Lord, that you can move among your people. Be praised and glorified. That you can draw others to you in this place. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.